0: This is the Bad Hops Podcast, a baseball podcast where we discuss everything but the box score. So if you're looking for the career home run total of catcher Brian Fun Police McCann or the wins above replacement of Grandma Johnny Murphy's rookie season, this is not the place.
1: But if you want to strike a pose as you admire your own majestic dinger, Welcome.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Jackie Micucci.
1: And I'm Mark Butler. Today, we're driving up that score and pimping it around the bases as we slide headfirst into baseball's unwritten rules. Welcome to Bad Hops.
0: You had a little chuckle there,
1: huh? You know, maybe one of the unwritten rules of this podcast is to not put stealth smut (laughs) into the text when someone else is going to read it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we love our euphemisms, don't we? I mean, I can just double entendre anything.
1: Bad Hops, the number one baseball podcast for middle school kids. That's right. (laughs) Everything you hear on this episode was taken from a bathroom stall wall.
0: At some point, for sure.
1: Today, we're talking about unwritten rules. And I feel kind of bad because this is an audio podcast, so we're not writing anything down. And so we're, we're really perpetuating these myths of the unwritten rules. We've seen in a number of games this season already, broadcasters, managers, players invoking the quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball, which is one of the, in my opinion, one of the more tiresome parts of the sport. The, oh, you can't do that. There's nothing that says you can't do that, but you need to understand you can't do that.
0: I mean, I think what, we, what, what we've what we learned over the past, I don't know, decade, six years, whatever, is that there is no such thing as a gentleman's agreement. That does not exist. So if you want a rule, you better write it down.
1: Exactly. I, this is no longer the, the game where everyone has a curly mustache that they spend hours and hours putting wax on, right? This is the, uh, there are... There may be gentlemen left in the game of baseball, but it's uh, the the fancy boys who do everything on a handshake agreement. They're not around anymore. We're going to dig into some of the ones that we don't like. I, I realize, though, Jackie, there aren't just unwritten rules in baseball. There are a number of unwritten rules in life too. And I, I I did I did some of my best googling okay. today and just sort of made myself crazy. The first thing that I do want to point out about these unwritten rules of life, when I found them, they were all written down. It's it's interesting. Make it that as you will.
0: It's interesting because the unwritten rules are written down all over the place for baseball, these unwritten rules. They're just not part of the official rule book, but they are written all over the place.
1: Exactly. So I found some real winners. Like, let people know if you're late. Always ask before petting a dog.
0: I think that's just common sense, okay? Because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the dog may look cute, but it could could go for you.
1: The person that wrote this unwritten rule, so good for him. His main issue was that it could be a service dog, which you
0: know what that's that's, that's fair
1: advice. That actually that is a written rule because almost all service dogs have a little thing on their vest saying "Don't pet me."
0: Exactly. So they are usually wearing a vest, and but you should you should just for common sense sake, you should ask before you touch someone's pet because you never know. You never know. That little Yorkie may look all cute and fluffy, but they can be pretty vicious.
1: I always say I have a two-part question for you. Can I pet your dog? And does he have rabies? There is my unwritten rule. Ask Ask the the follow-up question. Follow-up questions are important. I found some unwritten rules for life at school, including pull your your pants up.
0: I thought that look is kind of over, though. Isn't it? The dangling pants.
1: I think so. And and I actually believe that's also written down in any number of student handbooks. But Mm -hmm. whatever. Pull pull your pants up. There's the secret to life, you guys. That's my life hack. There you go. A unwritten rule for the workplace. Never be the smartest person in the room.
0: You know what? I think that one's kind of true. And usually if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're not. That generally tends to be... I don't know if it's an unwritten rule or just... Murphy's Law, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're usually not. That
1: said, I'm not going to hire you because you've just admitted that you're not the smartest person in the
0: room. I like, never think on. I'm the smartest person in the room, even when I might be the smartest person in the room.
1: Are but you the most modest person in the room?
0: I'm definitely not the most modest person in the room.
1: Yes, you you contain multitudes.
0: I do. So, there, so there are layers here. There are layers here. Lots and lots of layers. I'm like a tres leche cake. <laughs>
1: Well, my favorite unwritten rule of life that I found at Egypt today, because I I spared spared no expense. I wanted to. I wasn't just going to be like, oh, let me spend like five minutes getting like making some dumb jokes to start the episode. Mm -hmm. This is pretty serious, so I want you to. I want you to think about this tonight before you go to sleep, if you can go to sleep.
0: I know we'll see.
1: When someone tells you a secret. Take it to the grave.
0: I think that's probably a good rule, but most people can't keep a secret. There are very few people who keep secrets to the grave, very few, and I admire those who can. I am a person, if it's it's something really serious and heavy, and there are a few that I have that I've not shared that people have told me, but in general, if it's something silly, I'm probably going to tell somebody.
1: Give me an example of one of those secrets that you've heard that you haven't told anybody else.
0: I can't because then it wouldn't be a secret now, would it?
1: You are the smartest person in the room.
0: (laughs) It's serious stuff. You know, it's stuff about like, you know, heavy-duty relationship stuff, just family secrets of people like just things that you don't. It's fine to gossip. I mean, I have no problem with gossiping, right? Like I know you're not supposed to gossip, right? Is that an unwritten rule? Nobody gets hurt if you're talking about what you know someone's wearing to some event it's the big deal stuff in life like if someone cheated on somebody like you don't you don't talk about that stuff
1: especially if they hadn't pulled their pants up
0: well yeah and they apparently hadn't if they were cheating yeah
1: (laughs) not fast enough
0: not fast enough no
1: these rules apart from the last one which i think is deadly serious Mm -hmm. because it does say to take it to the grave this is just good advice right common Mm -hmm. sense practical, useful knowledge, call it a life hack. If you want to, I'm not going to say the word life hack because I don't believe in the word life hack. So oh, crap. <laughs> it's just common sense stuff. When we get into baseball though, we find that there is some common sense stuff in there, but then there's also this weird, you can't do that. You just can't do that. This mm-hmm. is not how things are done. Even though almost all of these things affect the play of you and your team. This is where it gets a little weird to me. I know you've got some examples. I've got a couple more to embellish the list. What we're going to talk about later in the episode is what's the point of these? And are we done with these? I'm done with these. That's a spoiler. I'm done with them, but I'll still argue about it.
0: That's fine. I I personally, when it comes to unwritten rules, I think they're dumb. I think they're all dumb when it comes to baseball because if you truly shouldn't do this, then it should be in the rule book. I'll get into my top five unwritten rules and what I think are, are ridiculous about them. You want to make a case for some of these and say, hey, if you're a professional, you shouldn't be doing this. But at the same time, it's perfectly within the legal constraints of Major League Baseball to do any of these unwritten rules. So to me, and a lot of them, and we'll get into them shortly, a lot of them just don't hold true anymore considering how the game has changed.
1: But that's the way it's always been.
0: Exactly.
1: I don't do do a really great whiny voice, even though I am pretty whiny. We didn't always have to wear batting helmets. Batting helmets are stupid. Oh, I have a concussion.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Now I talk like this.
0: <laughs> now I talk like this because I have a permanent concussion.
1: You've got a top five list of unwritten rules, I and I can't argue with any of them, except that I can argue with all of them.
0: <laughs> uh, exactly. And I and I will say the same for yours when we get to them. Here are my top five unwritten rules. I have some stories around them. So uh, not all of them, but a few of them. Number one is don't run up the score. Today's game, especially, we've seen this. There have been teams that have come from losing 12 to one who have come come back and won. It's just ridiculous. So if you need to run up the score, if your team is, if they're up eight to one, you want to tack on some more runs, you never know when a team can come back. So like, yeah, run up the score. Plus, these guys... They get their contracts based on how they perform. So are they supposed to sit there and strike out because their team is up by 10 runs, 12 runs, 15 runs? They still have to play for their stats and their their contract and their overall career. So what, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is supposed to sit there with a the bat on his shoulder, which he will never do, and not swing at, at any of the pitches? He's not supposed to try to, to get on base? Like, come on. I just think that's ridiculous. It's very little league, and I get it when we're talking about kids it makes sense. We are talking about grown ass men who make a lot of money. You know what? I love me a good blowout sometimes. I, I want to see these guys hitting home runs and getting on base and, and scoring lots of runs. Ridiculous. It's a ridiculous one. Run up the score. You never know when someone's going to come back and have a huge comeback. Also, your stats are important. So go run up the score. If my team sucks, if there's you know what? They deserve it then. Play better.
1: I think this rule was unwritten before, and I did not have time to look this up, Mm -hmm. because what I was going to Google was, when was Colorado invented? (laughs) But obviously the Rockies became a major league team in the 90s. These unwritten rules have been kicking around since dinosaur days, right? If you were playing against the Troy Trojans in 1888, and yes, I am getting a 19th century reference in, because we're, we're... We're talking about old-timey stuff. Of
0: course. We expect nothing less.
1: In a dead ball era, there's no point in running up the score. But if you're playing in Denver and you're down by seven runs, you better tack on a couple more insurance runs. Mm -hmm. The ball just travels faster and harder. I think we're also seeing this happen in almost every ballpark. Hitters are more savvy. They can figure out pitchers. They can get results. You don't want to have a 7 to nothing lead and then throttle back and then find that you lost. Did a little research. I found that not only has a team come back from a 12 run deficit once, it's ha- it's happened twice. The most recent one was Seattle versus Cleveland in 2001, but then there was a, an instance about 100 years before that of a game and so why is there an unwritten rule saying don't run up the score? If someone can reverse a 12-run deficit, you better run up the score as much as you can. I found that there was one instance of a team scoring nine runs in the ninth inning to reverse a huge deficit. Mm-hmm. So tell me again why we don't run up the score.
0: So we'll get to my number two, which is don't swing on 3-0 and when your team has a quote-unquote comfortable lead. So now the three and zero thing that has in general is like right you're not supposed to swing on three and zero. I've heard different things while watching games, different rationale behind that, right? Like you want the pitcher to throw strikes, or you want to get comfortable. You want to make sure you get your pitch. Now the comfortable lead. Here's my thing. This goes back to running up the score. You're a player. You're a big strong man. Say you're John Carlos Stanton, right? Like this is a guy. He's a home run hitter. If he gets his cookie on 3-0, I say go for it. And again, it goes back to you never know when the other team can come back because in today's game, there's a lot of guys can hit. There's a lot of offense on teams in, in games, especially once it starts to get warm out there. If you get that cookie at 3-0, and you want to swing at it and you feel comfortable, I say go for it. There's no reason to wait, and it, there's no reason to not swing uh, unless you're not comfortable doing it, unless you, you want this pitcher to show that he can throw strikes. Otherwise, if it's your pitch, go for it.
1: I mean, what's a comfortable lead, right? And and that's obviously, I can, yep. I can make the argument that 12 runs is a terribly comfortable lead. That is one of these maddening things about unwritten rules. It is that it's when it's a comfortable lead. Well, th- so that's more than one. Is it two? Is it five? Is it 10?
0: I don't know. And it depends on the teams. You know me. I mean, I've watched a lot of Yankees Red Sox games. I've seen comebacks. If you expect it to happen, nothing is ever going to go as planned. So if you think that game where one of these teams are leading by a comfortable lead, that that's going to stay that way, it usually doesn't. A lot of times it, it gets, I mean, sometimes they overcome it, sometimes they don't. So you need to run up the score.
1: I'll cite a team that we hardly ever talk about on this podcast, but we're gonna to get to all 30 at some point. Okay, at some well, point. we've actually gotten more than 30 because I go back and get these I mean, things out of the grave where I keep Troy all my Trojans, se- where I keep all my <laughs> secrets buried. <laughs> One of the joys against playing against the team that is still currently known as the Oakland Athletics, but maybe not for much longer. Who knows? Good luck. Maybe
0: they'll be the if, Vegas Athletics, you think?
1: Yeah, or the Montreal Athletics. Who knows? They're they're a traveling band. One of the joys against playing the A's was that their middle relief was always so sloppy that if the A's had a seven to, n- to nothing lead on your team, if you could get into the sixth inning and chase the starter, you had a pretty good chance of scoring 10 runs. I would say swing on a 3 0 pitch if you were an A's hitter trying to defend your meager seven run lead in the Coliseum.
0: You just never know. And, you know, what? it's your career, right? It's just like any other any other career. You got to make sure you're doing what's best for for you and your family and making sure that average your your OPS, your wins above replacement, all those stats, making sure that they're all nice and in a good place. Then, yeah, do it. Swing on three and you know, run up the score. Don't care.
1: I like that you're invoking uh, all American family values. As the That's reason right.
0: This. That's right. Well, you hear guys, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to set my family contract is going to my this for my family, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh All right. Well, that was that was your number two rule. I also don't like that one. I I, I actually I like what you're doing with these rules. I just don't like the rules. That's what I'm voting on.
0: And this one's a little bit different. So this is don't walk across the pitcher's mound. And this one speaks to me because there is a very famous incident that happened about ten years ago involving this. So basically when the runner gets out and he wants to get back to the dugout, he's not supposed to run across the pitcher's mound, which is kind of silly because it it is a shortcut. It probably will get you there faster. I mean, I understand maybe if someone's running across your, your mound and it's somehow they're trying to destroy or kick around the dirt and do something to the pitcher's mound, but in general, don't really see why it's a big deal. So there was an incident that happened between Dallas Braden and Alex Rodriguez in Oakland in April of 2010. Dal- between Dallas Braden and Alex Rodriguez, I don't know who I can't stand more. I mean, who's the biggest tool in this? Probably both of them. Anyway, wow,
1: that's, that's, that's <laughs> some uh, some some long simmering resentment for Dallas Braden, who I'm going to guess that most people haven't thought of for 10 years.
0: Oh, well, he comes up every now and then. The story resurfaced again last year. So let okay. me tell you what the the initial incident that happened in April of 2010. Apparently, Alex Rodriguez, he took off from first base to third and was eventually called out on, a I think there was a foul ball. So he took the shortest path back from, from third to first. He crossed over the pitcher's mound. Dallas Braden was pitching. After the inning ended, Braden, he was incensed. He was upset. He's like screaming at Rodriguez. He's saying, that's my, you can see him mouthing because I watched the video. That's my mound. That's my mound. And he gets into the dugout and he's like kicking stuff over. He's throwing cups. He's kicking over Gatorade because Alex Rodriguez had the audacity to cross over the pitcher's mound. It was a slight Overreaction, just a slight overreaction. I can understand heat at the moment. You're, I mean, these guys—they're so intense, getting pissed off. But like, this was like you would have thought that he had charged the mound and tried to hit him over the head with his bat. He had basically had a tantrum. So go back to last year, right? You would think, oh, have, has this you know incident since these guys are both retired? Is this something that's that's you know they don't care about anymore? They, this is just something that's in the past. Uh-uh, not at all. Braden has like held on to this. He does not like Alex Rodriguez. He was on a show called Moose and Maggie. That's on WFAN, the fan in New York last year. He, they had him on to discuss the coming baseball season at the time. And because of this famous incident, they asked him about A-Rod and he said, let me make it abundantly clear. I have more desire to wrestle with a porcupine, maybe wrestle with a herd of pissed off porcupines than I do to ever sit down and share two minutes of the same oxygen with that individual.
1: Oh, so it's not just sharing the same dirt now. Yep. It's the same oxygen. You know, I think in, that was 2021.
0: That was last year. He, he But like the incident occurred in 2010.
1: But his issue about the oxygen was from last year because
0: yes, I, I didn't
1: I didn't want to share oxygen with you very much last year for, well, for you know, for medical reasons.
0: I mean, I want to share oxygen with pretty much most people last year.
1: Yeah, especially Dallas Braden.
0: Especially Dallas Braden. <laughs>
1: and especially A-Rod.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think he pitched a, either a no-hitter. I don't know if it was a no-hitter or a perfect game uh, in his career at Dallas Braden because I do remember when that happened. But I feel like he's hitched his... Star so much on his hatred of A Rod that their names are are now linked forever. Because people always ask about him, like to Dallas Braden. I don't know if A Rod because A Rod is A Rod. If he gets asked about Dallas Braden all that much, <laughs> Dallas Braden is constantly A Rod comes up, all because of th- this incident where Rodriguez w- walked across the mound. It's like, dude, let it go. No one cares.
1: I'm curious, and I know you're not. You, you and and Dallas Braden have clearly had a f- a falling out because uh,
0: <laughs> I just, you know, he's just never, I, he always just looked not, not my kind of player.
1: How did he handle the fact that another pitcher or maybe more than one pitcher stood on his mound for half of the same game?
0: It, uh, that's okay. As long uh, as it's a pitcher, apparently it can't just, it can't just be a, a position player.
1: That's a weird possessiveness when you are literally in a condo timeshare agreement with at least one other pitcher from the opposing team, usually three or four. Well, that's my mound. Well, for half of the game. You said it was at Oakland, and I Mm -hmm. feel like one of the just desserts that this would come up, and it allows me to bag on Oakland a little bit more, so so indulge me, please. Sure. But wouldn't it have been hilarious if A-Rod had run out, crossed Dallas Braden's mound... In the not perfectly maintained Oakland Coliseum and then tripped and fallen on the mound and say broken his leg or sprained his ankle or, or something like that. Would Braden have been okay with that?
0: I don't know. He probably would have been like, he deserves that. He shouldn't have been going across my my mound. So that's what he got, going across my pitcher's mound. He sound
1: broken good for dirt him. from my mound all over his uniform. Now I have less mound. Was that the thing that inspired that Andrew Sisters song of "Don't Walk Across the Pitcher's Mound with Anyone Else But He"?
0: You and your old timey stuff.
1: Can't help it. Now I'm gonna overdub some harmonies on that.
0: Moving on to my next one. Don't bunt to break up a no hitter. Now I know that this one is a little bit more polarizing. Look, you got a game to win, right? This isn't about this guy's no hitter. Like, if you need to get on base, especially now the way they shift. Like if someone's leaving that that whole uh, left side or right side of the field open for you, bunt, like get the bunt down and get on base. You're trying to win a ball game. This isn't about someone's individual stats at at the end of the day. It's about your team winning a game. Now, I do have another story and it involves one of my favorite pitchers, Kurt Schilling. And Ben Davis. So this was when Kurt Schilling.
1: You made less of a face when you said Kurt Schilling's name than when you said Dallas Braden's name. And I know that you are less fond of Kurt Schilling.
0: I am less fond of Kurt Schilling than, than Dallas but, Braden. But, but good,
1: good for you. I, I feel like the 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 happy pills have taken the edge off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they certainly have. Okay, so this was Kurt uh, Schilling was pitching for Arizona at the time, and Ben Davis was playing for the Padres. And this happened in the eighth inning on May 26, 2001. Davis bunted for a hit against Kurt Schilling. It just infuriated everybody. Like everybody got mad, and the boat worked. I mean, he got on base. And he gets and this apparently he, this gets brought up to him a lot now because he broke this un, unwritten rule and successfully, I might add, because he did get on base. I mean, he said, it's crazy how many this is Ben Davis speaking. He said, it's crazy how many people still bring it up. They asked what I was thinking. They want to know if I do it over again. It's not the thing you want to be remembered for. But I guess it's better to be remembered for something than for nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he needs to be in a support group with Dallas Braden.
0: He does. But I've got more on this. And uh, he said he would do it again. He said, after the game, I said, did you happen to see my first two at bats, a ground out and a strikeout against Schilling? Was that a good night? It was a joke. He could do whatever he wanted to do out there. His stuff was good. That night, the odds weren't in my favor. And I knew I had to try to get on somehow. It was a hanging breaking ball. J. Bell was out in shallow right field and he was way out there. I thought, well, if I can just bring one with me and put it in the Bermuda Triangle over there, maybe I can get on somehow. And he did. And this was a game, by the way, that they were down 2 nothing. So it wasn't like it was 10-0. It was 2 nothing. So this game was close. Getting on base was really important. The inning ended without the Padres scoring a run. And Davis says he still remembers returning to the dugout to put his catcher's gear back on and trotting behind the home plate to catch Adam Eaton, who was warming up. And he definitely remembers the Diamondbacks manager at the time, Bob Brenley. Remember Bob Brenley?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: He said and a bunch of other players on the, on the Diamondbacks that were screaming at him. And like he said they were repeatedly questioning my manhood. And he said, <laughs> I'm like, why are they so mad at me? What did I do? I had no idea. I didn't think it was a big deal. Apparently, neither did his teammate. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn had his back. And in fact, Tony Gwynn told the San Diego Union Tribune, we're all tied up for first place and we're trying to win the game. And they're up there screaming at him because he dropped a bunt down. So what? Who cares? We're trying to win a the game. They're all hooting like we ain't supposed to try to win a game. That I don't understand. If the situation is reversed, they're going to try to do the same damn thing. So there you go. Tony Gwynn himself, Hall of Famer. Lay down the butt. Who cares about shilling stat? You know, it's about these guys trying to win games.
1: Yeah, you can't beef with Tony Gwynn. That's no. the I, 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 that's my unwritten rule. Is that like if Tony Gwynn said it, it's unassailable. When you said Ben Davis, I checked out of the conversation for a split second, which is less than I usually do. So good, good for me. But <laughs> um, when you said Ben Davis, I almost jumped in to correct you and, and say you mean Button Ben Davis. <laughs> Because that is all I know him for. It literally, it is. So it is the one thing that you said. It's like better than nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I couldn't tell you what team he played for. I couldn't tell you who he bunted against. But I just remember now when I hear Ben Davis, it's Button Ben Davis.
0: Button Ben Davis, yep.
1: Trips off the tongue. I love no hitters. I have sat through some kind of tiresome games because there was But still the chance of the game being a Mm no-hitter, I needed to see it. I wanted to see it. But I also don't want a cheap one Mm -hmm. where everybody starts to roll over and it's like, oh, yeah, it's the sixth inning. He deserves it. I'm not going to try. That unwritten rule, there's an inverse of that that's really messed up, which is don't try to win the game.
0: Yeah, exactly, which is you're always trying to win the game. And that's my problem with all these unwritten rules is that you're still playing a game. You still have a game to play. You could still vary. Anything could happen where you could somehow lose this game. So play your best. Okay, here's my final one. And this is a big one. And this one gets discussed quite a bit, even though it involves not talking. Never (laughs) discuss a no-hitter. Okay, done. Done, done. (laughs) Um, It depends on the broadcaster when this is going on. As you know, because I watch a lot of Yankee games, I hear a lot of Michael Kay. And Michael Kay has a very big take on this, where he's, if I can affect a game by talking about it, he's like, then I should be doing more than being a a baseball announcer. So he will talk about a no-hitter. He's not alone. There uh, There are other announcers who will do it, but there are some who won't. It just all depends on what school you come from. I think it's stupid. I think it builds excitement what I didn't appreciate was last year when we were getting notification. Remember last year when they were like, what, 20 no hitters? Oh, yeah, the, the year on? of the no, no. Exactly. But when you would get when you get a notification in like the fourth or fifth inning that there's a no hitter, I want to no know by the seventh inning. And usually once I turn it on, it's pretty much I, that that's when the hit happens. I feel like, you know, so I affect the no hitter, not because I'm talking about it, just because I'm watching. So there you go. That's my, my problem in life.
1: I was going to sing, but I know you're going to get upset. It's not even that old of a song. Well, it is. Okay. It is. It's actually like a 30 year old song. Uh, but you wanted to wake me up before you know No."
0: Oh, that's good. Wake me up before you know No, Yeah, maybe too soon. But yeah, I think that was my problem with, with the MLB app, like notifying me, like it's the fourth inning. There's the no hitter. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to know until we get to the seventh inning because we're not quite there yet. I get you. I get you. Your
1: your favorite team's game begins in 30 minutes. It's currently at a no hitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And the other thing that happens with no hitters, okay, don't talk. The, you don't talk to the pitcher, right? Like you're not supposed to talk to the pitcher. And there are some pitchers where I think they don't want to be talked to, whether they're hit, whether they're pitching a no hitter or they're just it's a regular old start. They just aren't those guys. They're like locked and loaded. And I think there are some pitchers that don't mind chatting, right? Yeah. And David Cohn is one of them. Love David Cohn. He's really dynamic guy, very energetic. He was definitely not of the ilk of don't talk to me. But David Cohn pitched a perfect game for the Yankees back in the 90s. And he writes about it in his book. And it's a great book. It's called Full Count, The Education of a Pitcher. I read it a couple of years ago. Hey, if you are interested in pitching, if if you've got a kid who's interested in pitching, it is a great book because he really, really breaks it down along with you know highlights of his career. And he talks about his perfect game and he someone needed to talk to David Cohn because he was going a little a little crazy. I'm going to read you an excerpt from his book where he talks about how he's freaking out as the perfect game is progressing. He writes, staring into the bathroom mirror, I saw a sweaty faced and steely eyed man who is wondering how the next few minutes of his life would unfold. He looked serious and he looked concerned. I kept staring at the man, studying every inch of that weary face and those focused eyes. I wondered if the man was powerful enough to pitch one more spotless inning. Please, I thought, just get three more outs. Obviously, I was that man. The man who placed both hands on the sink leaned forward and pushed his nose within six inches of the mirror. I wanted some answers and I needed some reassurance inside the Yankee stadium clubhouse bathroom. After tossing eight perfect innings against the Montreal Expos on July 18th, 1999, I changed into a fresh undershirt by my locker and retreated to the bathroom. I was alone, all alone before the ninth inning. And I gave myself a specific command. Don't blow this. (laughs) Wow. I feel like he could have done with like maybe a nice shoulder or like someone putting a hand on his shoulder, like got this Coney. Like obviously he pitched a perfect game. So it was fine. He got through, he got through the ninth inning, but man, he probably could have used some distraction.
1: (laughs) We, we poked around at this a little bit on our superstitions episode, because this is like a kind of a crossover between the unwritten rules and superstitions, which I guess superstitions are also kind of unwritten codes of life, but At times of great stress and uncertainty, you absolutely need a support network. You don't need a bunch of, like, millionaire jackasses, like, avoiding you like the plague. I'm not going to talk to that guy. He's doing really well.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) You need to rub his shoulder and pat him on the butt and say, you got this, buddy. We're going to get this for you. Mm -hmm. You need to rally the troops together. So, yeah, I don't like this unwritten rule either. I hope that David Cohn got the help that he needs because that... That excerpt sounds pretty bleak.
0: Oh, it goes on. I mean, it goes on from there. I just read you the first two paragraphs (laughs) of that. It goes on further, but yeah.
1: I've got a a couple more, and they're all just as bad as yours. Again, it's the rules that I don't like. It's not that I don't like the stories about So I'm just going to put that in writing and saying I really like what you've done. I just don't like any of these dumb rules. The dumb rule that I'll start with is... Don't admire your home run mm. and don't flip your bat after a home run. Our pal Jose Batista, when he was playing for the Blue Jays, you know, remember old Joey Bats? I do. I love saying Joey just about anything. But Joey, yeah, Joey Bats was playing against the Texas Rangers. He hit a home run and stopped, stared at the pitcher for a brief second Flipped his bat high in the air and then finally entered into his home run stride. I don't know if the Rangers were any good at that point in time because I, I think they were, Yeah, you
0: know. It's hard to keep up. The Rangers are one of those that they go up and down so quickly that it's hard to know.
1: These days you just assume cold, not hot. Yeah,
0: not definitely. Um, well, unless you're actually in that ballpark and then it's pretty yes. damn hot.
1: <laughs> Joey Bats, uh, along with probably a thousand other guys who have hit a home run and s- to look at it for a little bit. This apparently pissed off Sam Dyson, the Rangers pitcher who served up that home run, who might have also already been pissed off because he gave up a home run. That's just conjecture, though. After the bat flip and after Joey Bats broke the tie and put the Blue Jays ahead by three, Dyson expressed his discontent with someone else. I feel like that's another weird unwritten rule. If you have a problem with someone, don't tell them. Talk to somebody else from his team. So he told Edwin Encarnacion, who was also playing for the Blue Jays at that point in time, that Batista needs to quote-unquote respect the game.
0: Ah, the old respect the game bullshit.
1: Yeah. I would say to Sam Dyson, maybe you needed to respect the game by pitching a little bit better.
0: Exactly.
1: If you're a relief pitcher coming into a tie game, maybe... You don't toss a cookie to Jose (laughs) Batista. Exactly. Admiring your home run. If you hit a home run and you're not sure about it, you might want to check it, right? You need to get out there and start hustling, but you also might want to make sure it clears the fence. You might want to know where that ball is before you get too distracted on the base paths. And in some stadiums, you might want to make sure it goes
0: into the water. That's fun. Yeah, just just for kicks. If if you're hitting a home run I like the pimping. I think whole buttoned up MLB thing, they're way behind, right? The NBA, the NFL, who they had some issues with. You weren't supposed to like celebrate your, your touchdown. So that was a whole other thing. But I think if you hit a home run, you get to watch it, especially if you hit a big old home run out of the ballpark. I've heard both sides from pitchers, some who don't like it, and some who are like, you know what? You hit a home run off me. There you go. I should have gotten you out. I have no problem with pitchers celebrating when they get a big strikeout during a game, especially relievers. Like, I think they're human beings. It's a game. This isn't, you know, this is a game. This is supposed to be fun. I want you to look like you're having fun.
1: That butt hurt feeling of... <laughs> A pitcher giving up a home run and then complaining that the batter enjoyed it too much. It's like, guess what? He just won the game. Yep. It wasn't a walk-off in this case, but I think it got the job done. Why are you there? Are you there to respect the game or are you there to win the game? Yeah. And is that also not respecting the game? I've got one last one for you, and this was news to me. I got both of mine from a fellow named Jason Turbo, or Turbo. I'm just going to say Turbo. A Sorry, Jason.
0: Turbo is a cool name. That, that should be an old-timey pitcher
1: Or a Fast and Furious character.
0: Ooh, yeah. Fast and Furious 59.
1: So Jason Turbo wrote a book called The Baseball Codes. I don't know how mm-hmm. quickly he wrote it, but I'm just going to assume that he wrote it faster than some writers would have written it. <laughs> I literally did not know this. Maybe you, you, you might have known this because you, you back teams that tend to have more success. There is a rule, don't swing at the first pitch after back-to-back home runs.
0: I, have ne- I saw that, and I've never heard of that one before.
1: It is a rule that is designed to give mercy to the pitcher who clearly is struggling if he gives up back-to-back home runs. I saw this, and I got kind of mad because... If I'm a fan, the only thing better than back-to-back home runs are back-to-back-to-back back to back to back to back back home back. runs. Yeah. I want to see them keep going for it. Yeah. And if there is an unwritten rule that is essentially cheating the fans and also taking your team off of the dime... To say oh well we have a two run lead but we don't need a three run lead if it's mm-hmm. going to be a home run because i'd feel bad for this pitcher you know what he's not the only pitcher that team has if he really is bad enough that he is giving up back to back to back to back home runs there is a triple a team that would be happy to see him come back for a while
0: yeah yeah that is very true and you know it's probably time for the manager to come out and Honestly, it's not up to the the batter of the opposing team. It's up to the pitching coach or the manager or the infield to come in and like give him a breather if he's struggling out there. It's not up to the batter of the the opposing team.
1: (laughs) How much of this is based on like little league PTSD?
0: I mean, that's what it seems like. Like some of these things, I get it if you're talking about a bunch of seven-year-olds, right? Like you don't want to demoralize these kids. We're talking about professional men who make an awful lot of money to entertain us. So I want to be yeah. entertained.
1: Oh no! I still got paid the same amount I was going to get paid otherwise. I don't have a lot of sympathy for guys that are getting paid a lot of money to play a game.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll still yes.
1: watch them, and I can still love some of them and still hate some of them for any number of sort of pro wrestling reasons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's you know that's the whole point. Like that's we're we're allowed to love and hate you. We, we're, we're paying for some entertainment.
1: One last thing before we get to our big debate coming okay. up in the, middle, in the middle innings. As I was looking through these unwritten rules, which were all making me various shades of crazy, and I realized, why would you adhere to these rules when there are so many people that are violating the written rules of baseball? Oh, well, I don't run up the score in a blowout. But I Bye. do take performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs>
0: but please inject me in my butt with this these steroids. Thank you.
1: Right. I would never discuss a no-hitter. However, I will bang on a trash can to let my team know what pitch is coming next. <laughs> Just not during a no-hitter.
0: Exactly. As long as it's not during a no-hitter.
1: It's kind of perverse that there are some people, and this episode is based on... And I've already forgotten which games because it just comes up, right? It's just like kind of like the tides. There's like there's a game where a manager will beef about, well, they don't respect the game or they ran up the score or they did something they shouldn't have done because it's overkill, but we'll cheat. It's okay to cheat, but we won't break the gentleman's agreement. That is just there's a weird corrupted logic loop in there that I just don't understand.
0: I agree with you. I mean, sign uh, stealing is as old as time, right? It's been going right. on forever. But I mean, it got to critical mass with the Astros, that whole scandal. And then a bunch of other teams, including my own team, were involved in sign stealing. I mean, the Astros brought it to a, a level that was ridiculous. But when you start to involve technology, right? When you're using your Apple Watch or you're using replay and sending information, like now we're getting to like high tech stuff as opposed to, hey, I just caught someone here, like yeah, I could see he's got it. I, I saw the sign because we're on position on base, right? Now we're getting to a level where it's becoming a, a whole high tech thing, right? So yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Like you shouldn't be upset about the fact that teams are, are signs are brought sign stealing into the, the high tech arena now. Like that's fine, even though it's actually not fine. And I, I and I think there are probably a lot more teams doing it. It was probably more prevalent than I mean we knew about it. I do think most of the teams got a slap on the wrist. The the, the Astros, the most, they got a slap on the wrist and were very brash and unapologetic about what they did. Winning of the World Series, we'll talk about it because wh- however you feel. I mean, if you're in Houston, you're like, yeah, shut up. If you're <laughs> fan of, uh, especially in uh, the American League West, you're like, hey. You guys you, you guys stole stole a World Series. It is what it is, but I don't get it. Like you should be more upset about sign stealing and PEDs than whether or not someone's bunting to break up a no-hitter.
1: Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we will come back and we will argue. Although I think we both agree on the subject. So we'll have to find new angles to argue, but that's the joy of what we do.
0: There's You're a- listening
1: to the Bad Hops Podcast Network and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're back, and we are about ready to enter into a debate over the unwritten rules of baseball. My first question is, who cares?
0: It's a good question. Honestly, in general, it's fodder to talk about. Right before we got on recording, there was an article in The Athletic about unwritten rules. No one really cares about them, but they make for good sports talk fodder right it makes for getting people riled up both the teams and the fans beyond that though i don't know why you would care but people do i mean there's a you know you get those baseball purists like come on you don't swing on three and oh but purists really really
1: that sounds like something that will last forever in the remote corners of social media comment sections right Oh, I gotta complain about something, and then this guy broke the unwritten rules of baseball. But we are hearing managers still talking about it. Oh, we're yeah. We're hearing players saying, "Oh, that's not cool what he did. And ultimately, if the goal is to win the game, mm-hmm. by any means necessary, do what you gotta do. Did you hurt somebody in the process? Then it's fine. Did you hurt someone's feelings? Listen, I am a sensitive person and I do try to be respectful to my fellow humans, but if you are paid to win a baseball game and somebody gets bugged that you did something that helped your team win that game, too bad.
0: Yeah, put on your big boy pants. Remember when Fernando Tatis Jr. got his his own manager didn't have his back. It's like, come on, this guy's one of the I mean, obviously he's injured right now, but he's one of the most exciting players in the game. And you're gonna you're gonna get on him because I think what if he pimped a home run? Was that it? Yeah. Oh well. Then don't give up a home run.
1: I would like you to start hitting singles, Mr. Tatis, because I don't like the way you hit home runs. And guess what? The fans don't either. The fans hate it when you do that.
0: Nothing worse than when you guys hit home runs. I hate it. Yeah. But you know what? This, again, this is so with the the who cares with the unwritten rules. And we talk about you know pimping home runs or celebrating strikeouts. How are you going to get young people to watch the game? Because this is how the world is. This is it's about showmanship. You're competing. You're entertainment. You're competing against all types of entertainment. And you know what? Baseball. Many times you're losing. Let the guys have fun.
1: Definitely true because one of my. Other insightful questions for this debate. Another fantastic two-word question. Who benefits? And I don't know. If you're a manager and you're sticking up for your team saying, these other guys ran up the score and it's just not fair. It doesn't undo the results of the game. Mm -hmm. No one's going to get fined. Maybe you get a little like locker room friction for the next game. Maybe if you go down in flames in the first game of a four-game series... Maybe you're going to be mad and you're going to work on getting your revenge for the next three games. That's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. I could
1: see that being a motivation. But a lot of this stuff, especially going through your list of don't run up a score and don't bunt during the no hitter. It's like, hey, can we leach all of the excitement out of the game? Can we take the fans out of this ball game? Can we make it so that fans don't care about what happens? That's why I think I got so mad about this. Don't swing at the first pitch after back-to-back home runs. It's like you are robbing me. I've seen three back-to-back home runs, back-to-back-to-back. I haven't seen four. I'd love to see four. And you know what? I'd love to see five. I don't know if it's ever happened, but I'd love to be there if it did.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: That's sort of like, you know, don't turn a triple play because that's insulting to the the runners on the field. (laughs)
0: Right? How come that's not an
1: unwritten written? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you guys. I got all of you out on one play. You got to play to win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you, you going to complain that a team won 100 games? That's too many.
0: How dare you?
1: Yeah, 95 would be enough. You got to let Cincinnati win some. <laughs> Oh, I can't I, I know we don't we're not going to do box scores and we try to stay off the stats and we try uh-huh. to focus on really the weird stuff but I think we need a we need a Cincinnati episode.
0: Oh, Cincinnati, how the mighty have fallen. I I'm curious. I I'm looking as to how many wins they have. As it's we're the, recording this in early May. It um, is the
1: first week of May and I believe that the Reds are on pace to win 18 games this season. Oh my season.
0: god, it's it is just uh, it is woeful. It is woeful that <laughs> no big red machine there. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe teams yeah, are breaking the unwritten rules.
0: They're three and twenty now. Okay. <laughs> as of this recording, they're three and twenty.
1: Well, as our friend from Kentucky, which is only minutes away from this uh, Cincinnati, would uh, would say, "Bless their hearts."
0: Bless their hearts.
1: One thing I wanted to get into real quick. And I think this is one of these little marketing things that has probably faded away from 2019. But MLB actually had something called Let the Kids Play. The quote that I read to kick this off was that baseball is fighting a stigma that it is old and boring. (laughs) I don't know that that's a stigma.
0: I think it's a reality in some ways.
1: If you adhere to these Old timey rules of a gentleman who rides on a giant wheeled bicycle in his knickerbocker trousers to the ballpark. If he doesn't adhere to these gentlemen's rules, then we're lost, my friends. So Ken Griffey Jr. was like the figurehead, and he was, you know, a little bit of a, a brash young thing when he came up. He starts this commercial and kind of pretends to be a fuddy dud, saying that, you know, we, we do things a certain way in baseball. And then it's a montage of like Mike Trout, Carlos Correa, Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Shohei Otani, all kind of live in their life. Kind of going out there, you see some bat flips, you see some head for steals, you see some excitement. And I think it was a really good way of saying that, hey, baseball can be exciting. And you know what? At its best, it is. It still holds the power to be exciting. But if you have five million mound visits... And you have twenty pitching changes, it does sort of suck the fun out of a guy like kind of like doing a head over heels brawl to catch a ball. I love that MLB actually called their own number on that and said, you know, maybe we maybe there is a stigma (laughs) that we're old and boring.
0: Now we're doing baseball zen, it seems to be. what's going on. They're doing like their own com app thing with uh, baseballs. And so we've moved on from Let the Kids Play.
1: Oh, God, I haven't I haven't seen that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, um, I'm because I'm out of market. I'm I'm on uh, the MLB uh, package. But yeah, so I get those commercials. But they'll let the kids play. Yes, you're right. Like I mean, it it was baseball sort of recognizing that they, they do have a problem with attracting younger fans and letting their young star players really shine and have personalities. But I don't know if it's made much of a difference. Yeah, the kids are playing, but are the kids watching? That's the bigger question. I don't know if the kids are watching.
1: Yeah, they launched this campaign in 2019, and then no kids were allowed to come to games. That's so right, right I, I, you, you get a mulligan on this. But you do. You like
0: it. I get it. Like it was. It's been a wacky few years, but I do think baseball. Yeah, they need to continue to, to really, to create some personalities because you know the NBA does a great job with that. Hockey, even these guys have, uh, and they're they're all like padded up football even, where you don't see half of these guys. The personality, like, you know the personalities. Baseball, you're taught, like well, you know, you're not supposed to show too much, you know, you're not supposed to be an interesting person. It's a, it's a team right. sport. You've got to conform. There's, And I think that's part of the problem, right? There's too much conformity going on within baseball. And then when the Latin players show up and they're having a good time and they're singing and they're dancing and people are like, that's not how you play the game. I'm like, yeah, that is how you play the game. That's how you play the game in the Dominican or in Puerto Rico or in Mexico. This is the way people play the game outside the United States. It is a global game. It might, It might have started here but it's a global game yeah so like yeah that's fine let let people have fun let people show their personalities I want personality. my favorite players all have big personalities I mean maybe Derek Jeter aside okay but some <laughs> of some of the other ones <laughs> I'll admit to that but Jeter always had he had, has a sarcastic streak so there's always a little bit of something there but in general I like the players with the bigger personalities
1: yeah we need more weirdos we need more mm-hmm. color we need more excitement.
0: You know, we need more of those, like, 70s guys. <laughs> I'm not saying pitch on LSD, but...
1: <laughs> you're not not saying that. I'm not a-
0: not saying pitch while you're taking LSD, but, like, yeah, like, some colorful personalities. No, no, I'm not saying don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. But, yeah, just a little, a little something. Some personalities, some quirkiness. Yeah, just make it interesting. I'm always going to watch the game, but I'm not your I'm not the person you need to keep watching the game. You need to start interest getting people who are a lot younger than me watching the game.
1: Or else it's going to be like the people that go to the opera. Yep. 80 years old and I have another seasons worth of tickets. I hope <laughs> that I live
0: long enough. <laughs> Hey, even the opera was doing like young opera lovers club, although the young opera lovers club was for people 40 and under. So I don't know how young that was, but for (laughs) out in opera terms,
1: it made me feel young when I joined (laughs) the young opera lovers club. It
0: did actually, (laughs) but something like (laughs) under 40 baseball
1: fans. Hey, old timers come out to the ballpark. You might be surprised at how expensive beer is.
0: That's right. That's right. Back in my day, you paid a quarter for a beer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One last thought, because okay. these un- unwritten rules have really kind of been getting under our skin. I, I feel like it's been that way for three years, though, right? It's- it pops up. It doesn't pop up all the time. But when it does, it's like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. So I have a-, a little plan for an exorcism. And I think this is it's going to work because okay. I-, I said it's going to work.
0: All right,
1: a little voodoo that's, that's, magic. A little voodoo. These unwritten rules, we're gonna write them down. We
0: are. Yeah. Do you have
1: a pen? Gonna, I, I do have a pen. Okay. And I'm gonna write them. I'm not gonna write them right now because the, there's nothing duller on a podcast. <laughs>
0: Especially an audio podcast.
1: <laughs> Jackie, shush, I'm writing. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I want I want people to hear the pen.
0: <laughs> or them, or, or you're funny. just hitting your mic. <laughs>
1: No, I was hitting my computer instead. I was a, not a heathen. I'm going to write these down off camera, and then we're going to post them on social media.
0: Sounds good.
1: That's going to take all the power out of them. As soon as we write these and post them on social media, maybe you could write some too. Okay. To, Do for a double voodoo power. Sure. We are in the same coven. We don't usually talk about that, but we, don't. we, we know some people. We're going to deflate these tires. We're gonna We're going to take all of the air out of these unwritten rules and then they're not going to exist anymore. That's the bad hops promise. If it doesn't work, you get your money back from someone else. I
0: was just going to ask like where's the like money for 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 what and from what?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of this this business model because we don't make any money on it. Exactly. And so, we can offer a money back guarantee even for a multimillionaire baseball player that Wants to argue with us about the unwritten rules like Mm -hmm. Sam Dyson from the Texas Rangers. You want to call in and beef about it? Sure. If you don't enjoy your experience, we'll give you your money back.
0: There you go.
1: Not your salary from the Texas Rangers.
0: (laughs) No, no, definitely not.
1: Just just your bad hops honoraria, which is zero (laughs) dollars. So we'll have a little exorcism. By the time this episode comes out, if I remember to write these down and if Jackie remembers, we'll post them on social media. Maybe we'll post them early and people will be like, what the hell is this? And Probably. Yeah. because Why that's how are you we, doing that? That's how we roll in general the fans are heading home the grounds crew is on the field and we will see you next time at the ballpark that's our pal ron lewis on the stadium oregon i'm mark butler
0: and i'm jackie macucci
1: and this was bad hops
0: any rebroadcast retransmission or account of this podcast without the express written consent of bad hops is prohibited unless you like us review us or subscribe to bad hops find us at at bad hops on insta and everywhere else see ya
1: maybe the express unwritten consent too. Anyway, bye!
0: Get out of here!